how to be a more positive person in a room full of negative people. The most important habit that their family did. The most important piece of advice that her dad gave her. How she's learning to talk to herself rather than listen to herself. And so much more coming right up. This is episode number 481 with keynote speaker and workshop leader for the John Gordon Company, Jade Gordon. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. Are you somebody who really wants to improve your health, but you might be overwhelmed with all of that life is throwing at you? Are you somebody who wants to feel better in your own skin and be more confident in their body and really be a good role model for those around you? If so, then you need to get access to my new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle. You're going to get a grocery list, a week's worth of workouts, and a list of healthy snacks and sweets to choose from. You can get all of that for free by simply going to nickcarrier.com. Today, I am super excited to introduce you guys to Jade Gordon. I had the honor earlier last year to bring on the show legendary speaker and author of The Energy Bus and so much more, John Gordon. And today, I had the honor of bringing on the show his daughter, Jade Gordon. Jade is following in her father's footsteps as a keynote speaker, workshop leader, and positive leader. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her today about her relationship with her dad, about how to be a positive leader, about how she's working through imposter syndrome, and so much more. So without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Jade Gordon. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast today. I am super excited to be joined by the one and only Jade Gordon. Jade, just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah, of course. So this is a first today. I don't think I've ever had a daughter of a past podcast guest. I don't. I think I've had a significant other, but I don't think I've had a, a, a son or daughter of a podcast guest. So really excited to uh, for you to be the first one uh, to make that a reality on the Best You Podcast. But basically the way I want to start today, Jade, is I coach a lot of people with, with fitness goals and everything like that, and I end up coaching a lot of parents. And one of the things that has made a big impact on me in my life is my parents showing me healthy habits growing up and seeing their work ethic and seeing them work out in the morning and, and eat healthy. And that has definitely influenced my behavior. And one of the things that I try to talk about with all of my clients who are also parents is I'm like, you guys have such a profound opportunity and responsibility to be able to morph your kids and and kind of like practice the habits that you want them to have. And so like take that opportunity and responsibility seriously. And so I really try to kind of really hit home the importance of parents being a good role model. So the, the way I want to start off is just talking about things that your dad did at a when you were at a young age that you really feel like shaped you and informed you into kind of like the woman that you've become today. I know that's kind of a big question, but I want to start there. So many things. Um, first is my parents were, like you just said, my parents were all about health. And so growing up, you know, I was always bringing organic food to school and it was always about, <laughs> you know, like 
making sure that you're just taking care of yourself. And so I remember I was in, I think, middle school and my parents would send me to school with a very healthy, you know, lunch. And a lot of kids would be like, hey, I'll trade you your blueberries for my Pop-Tart. And (laughs) just like looking back, I realized that my parents instilled like just health into me and that were these other kids, like they weren't getting blueberries. They were eating, you know, this junk, but they were craving what their body needed. And so now as an adult, it's to the point where like, I'm so like into health and being the best version of myself physically and going to the gym and lifting that I think they definitely had played a huge role in that. Um, so I think that was one of the best things that they could have done for me. Um, and then on the other side of that, it's just like kind of the mental stuff of just being the best version of yourself, seeing challenges and finding ways to turn it into opportunities to grow and to be your best. And growing up, my dad always said, wherever you are, just be a light, shine your light. Mm-hmm. And I think to to this day, it's something that sticks with me that every time I walk into a room is like, how can I impact people in a positive way, which has now led me to doing the work that I'm doing today in the sense of even when you're in like rooms with like, maybe five people, how are you spreading your light? So now I'm going into rooms of like a hundred people. How am I encouraging them? How am I helping them to be their best? So I think that kind of helped me make the decision of, yeah, this is what I feel like is my calling is to just help people be the best version of themselves. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm excited to kind of dive into, like we just spoke almost a year now of you uh, talking about the stuff and speaking. And so I'm excited to hear about that transition and how the kind of launching that career has been. But another thing I want to ask about when it comes to parents and and family in particular is I know that like I have a really strong family. I have an older brother, a younger sister that I'm really close with, really close with my parents. And one of the one of the one of the things that often people ask me is what are the, some of the things that your parents did that made it so you guys were so close? And for me, one of the answers is we always sat down and had dinner together every single night, basically five nights a week or at least as frequently as we could. Uh, so same question to you. What are some things that you feel like you guys did from a habit standpoint routinely that made you guys a close family? I would say one of the things is my dad was very big on family meetings. So it was like either at the beginning of the week or the end of the week, we would all sit down at the family dinner table and we would just talk about maybe our week or something we're trying to accomplish or whatever it may be. We were just sitting down and it was opening up dialogue for communication on just getting close to each other, just sharing maybe what was on our heart. We would read a devotional together. And even though me and my brother were like, this is the last thing we want to be doing, (laughs) we eventually learned to appreciate it. And so it became like, oh, family meeting. And we would drop what we were doing, all sit down at the table. And so I think that really allowed us to get close to each other because if we were struggling or there was something going on, we knew that this was a place where we could talk about it and kind of figure out maybe a solution or just hear each other out. So that's one of the things. And I think also as well is my parents were really big on like, no matter what it was saying, you can come to us with anything. We're not going to judge you. We're here to support. We're your parents. We love you unconditionally. There's nothing you could say or do that could take that away. And so growing up with knowing that no matter what my parents were going to be there to support me, I think that allowed me to have the open communication where no matter what I was going through, even if it was embarrassing, or even if I didn't want to tell my parents, I knew that I could trust them. I knew that I could 
tell them anything. And now at 24, I mean, I tell my parents everything. And I know a lot of people are like, I could never, but because my parents created that dynamic, it's helped me to have an an amazing relationship with them. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's funny. A couple of days ago, I was scrolling through Instagram and David Meltzer talked about three things that he tells his kids every day. And one of them was that tell them every single day that you or you know, regularly that you have their back. And I think that's such a powerful thing because it just opens up uh, that line of trust and line of communication that oftentimes gets closed off with the kids and, and their parents. So at, at this point, at the time of recording, you've been speaking now for coming up on a year. And so First off, just congrats for finding something that you're super passionate about and and having such great success on it uh, early on. I'm sure that anytime we do something new, we get a lot of feedback, good and bad. And so I'm interested to hear how you've been able to assess the feedback that you've gotten, whether it's good or bad. Do you have a process for uh, assessing feedback? And, And if it's bad, then how have you handled that mentally in a constructive way? I think for me, because I come from the place of, I always want to get better and I want to do everything to honor and serve God. And so I know it's our natural inclination to kind of get defensive, but I've had to, um, from the start be like, no, no, no. If people around me are giving me feedback, it's only to make me better. And like, I did an event this last week and, you know, afterwards I went up to one of my dad's, uh, one of my friends who was doing it with me. And I said, feedback, give it to me, like whatever it is, even if it's small little things, how can I improve and how can I get better? Because ultimately I just want to be the best version of myself so that, Because in my head, I'm like, if I'm the best version of myself, I can hopefully spread this message to more than just one person. Obviously, if I impact one person, it's all worth it. But maybe the way I'm saying it or maybe, you know, a different story could resonate more with somebody else. It's always about how can I improve? And so from the beginning, it wasn't, you know, where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want like constructive criticism. I don't want feedback. It was like, no, I need that if I'm going to try and be the best version of myself. So I'm kind of, I don't have a process necessarily. It's like when I get that feedback, it's like, okay, what can I do with that? It's not looking at myself and being like, oh, I'm awful. You know, even though that's my intrusive thought is like, oh, I did awful today. I need to hear from other people who are just trying to make me better. And if they say I did good, but there's one thing I can fix, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times one of the most important things to mentally acknowledge when you get a piece of constructive feedback is like, okay, I've, I'm going to have an opportunity to do this again. And, you know, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak again. I'm going to have the opportunity to, to go to work again. I'm going to have the opportunity to interact with that person again. And so oftentimes we get to close-minded on the short term of the fact that it's already in the past, but it's like, you're going to get another chance at the plate coming up sometime soon. And so take it as an opportunity to re refine your toolkit and, and use that uh, moving forward. So I know that in college, like so many of us, you weren't exactly sure what you want to do and, and, and me neither. What allowed you to stumble upon the decision that you wanted to go speak and kind of share a lot of the positivity lessons from, from your dad and the John, John Gordon company. 
So I graduated with a degree in communication. So I knew it would be something in that realm. I just didn't know what it was. I always thought it was going to be sports, but never really knew what exactly I wanted to do. And so after I graduated from Clemson, I moved out to LA and figured it was like the land of opportunity, the, the best place to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. And so my dad always said to me, I think everybody needs to serve in the service industry or the hospitality industry to really know what it's like to have servant leadership. Like when you're in environments where you have to serve people no matter what, even when you don't want to, that is like everybody needs to experience that. And so when I moved out to LA, I worked at um, a restaurant and then COVID happened. So one of my friends, she said, Hey, I, you know, have a job at Nobu Malibu. It's one of the most famous restaurants in the world. Let me see if I can get you an interview. So I worked there for about a year and a half and I was, you know, surrounded by celebrities and people with so much money. And it was honestly, it was a great experience. I learned so much, but it was a really toxic environment because when there's people that treat you like you don't matter or your bosses are more focused on celebrities that are coming in than anything else, it's really hard to just be in that environment and feel good, right? And so my dad said, this is a chance for you to take the principles that I teach that you've grown up with your whole life and be a coffee bean, try and transform the environment around you. You may not be able to, you know, get them to be more positive, but, but by you being positive, hopefully that will rub off on them. And so I did that and, you know, made great friends and really learned how to be a more positive person in negative environments. But around a year and a half after I worked there, I was, you know, at work one day and there was these two women sitting there and one of the women says, tell her, and the other one says, no. And she says, tell her. And so I overhear this and I walk over and I say, hi, ladies, how can I help you? And they said, well, you know, we came all the way here from North Carolina just to come to this restaurant and the Lord has blessed me. So I was prepared to bless my server today. But honestly, we had an awful service and I'm really disappointed. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, I can go get a manager. You can let them know. And she said, no, it's okay. I just wanted to tell someone. And I said, oh, well, you said you came all the way from North Carolina. I actually moved here from South Carolina. I went to Clemson and immediately her energy changed. And she said, oh my gosh, what are you doing all the way out here? And I said, well, I figured this was the best place to figure out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And she just looks at me for a second and she goes, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, can I pray for you? And this was like middle of COVID. And so I was like, please. And she puts her, you know, her uh, hand on my shoulder and she's praying for me. And she says, God, I know this girl is fearful that she is allowing that fear to hold her back. But if you would just allow her to have faith and to step into what you have called her to do, to step into her passion, her purpose and her calling, I see her going all over the country, speaking and impacting people's lives. And I start crying. She's crying. Again, I've never met this woman in my entire life. She didn't know who my dad was, what he did. And immediately I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is God giving me this confirmation that I'm supposed to start speaking. And she said to me, she said, I believe God had me come all the way across the country, have awful service just to tell you that. And I'm like, is this really happening right now? 
And so I realized, I called my dad. I said, I'm ready. I I'm ready to start speaking. And so I quit my job. I went home to Florida for like a month and he just started throwing me into it. He was like, either sink or you swim, figure it out. So I started speaking to my old girls lacrosse team, youth groups, honestly, anybody that would listen, because I realized I had to put in the work to try and make this vision or this dream a reality. And so I started doing that, really like learning the content. Obviously, I learned it my whole life, but learning how to present it in a way that people were receptive to, developing my stories that could help people take these concepts and make it more applicable in their life. And eventually I realized like, this is what I've been called to do. And again, if I can just impact one person, that's all that matters. Mm, That's so good. What a story. Uh, Have you... Do you have the contact information of that lady? And does she know that like, this is what you do now? I'm hoping that if I tell this story many, many times that hopefully she'll hear it and I'll be able to talk to her because I just want to thank her. I don't even know her name. All I know is that she lives in North Carolina. So I'm hoping one day that I can just thank her and just appreciate God speaking through her to just help me find my passion and my purpose. Yeah, I, I, I hope so too. And I think it will come back to her as long as you keep spreading that story and it'll come back to her. It'll come back to her. That's so cool. Um, well, one of the things I want to go back on just really quickly because I find it so prevalent in so many of the people that are my peers or clients with stuff like that. And that's working in somewhat toxic environments or negative environments. Like my girlfriend is a nurse and she talks about how sometimes people around her are pretty negative. And then people who are, who are teachers sometimes can be negative. And I'm just talking about from, from my experience hearing people and, and it can be hard for one person who wants to be positive, who wants to be the coffee bean. I had Damon on a few weeks ago, um, who wants to be the coffee bean, who wants to be positive. It's hard to kind of step into that when nobody else is like that. So talk to us about what people can do if they feel like they're that person, if they feel like, gosh, I want to be positive. I want to spread a different kind of culture around the people that I work with, but it's really hard because nobody else is here with me. We'll be back to the interview in just a second, but first I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-week transformation. At Best You, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before, they've seen the stubborn fat finally come off, and they've seen their habits dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say. I don't even know how I heard about the 10-week transformation with Nick, but I signed up for it because I thought uh, something needed to change. And I had no idea how much was going to change. The physical fitness part of it is amazing getting to see where you start to where you finish at the end of 10 weeks is really cool because you don't realize how much you're growing in that time. But more than that, it has changed my mindset about how I think about food, alcohol, how I approach things. It's just been an overall really positive change in my entire life. How I think about relationship, career, all of it. It's something you can't explain You have to experience it to understand it. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, 10-week transformation. I'm at the end of my third, and I would say the end of my third, I am shocked and amazed at how much stronger I am and just how much better I am at 
seeing a goal, seeing an obstacle as an opportunity. I don't want to sound cheesy, but it's amazing. It starts with just one person, right? And so if nobody around you is being positive, you have the ability to hopefully, we talk about transforming energy vampires, right? So just by you maybe asking somebody, hey, why are you being so negative? Like creating great relationships so that you can ask people what's really going on. And then maybe you get to the bottom of maybe they're going through something and by helping them, you know, show that you're supportive of them or that you care, that can hopefully help transform them. Because we often complain a lot because we either feel powerless or because it's a habit, right? So if somebody feels powerless, they're complaining for that reason. So by showing that you care, it changes the whole dynamic, right? And so I think it's just maybe starting with one person and trying to help them be a more positive influence. That's what I did, honestly, is just every person that I interacted with, just try to be more positive, try to maybe ask them a question about themselves to get to know them. And I think also just by me demonstrating that positivity, we often say like our energy is contagious, right? So if I'm being positive, a lot of times people are like, whoa, like, you know, they wanted to then be positive because nobody really wants to be negative, right? Nobody wants to walk around and, you know, have their head hanging down and, you know, just nobody wants that. And so I remember just being at work and it, it not everybody has to do this, but this is what I felt like I wanted to do in my environment because it was so toxic and it was so busy and we were always being yelled at is I would help other people do their jobs. And they would say, this is not your job. You don't have to wipe down this table. And I would say, teamwork makes the dream work. And they would always say afterwards, like, Jade, we appreciate you so much. And it's just little things like that, but showing that you're supportive and you're willing to help out or that you care, that can make all the difference. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things that you said, which was brilliant, is just asking them about what's going on. And it almost doesn't even have to be like asking, hey, why are you so negative? It's just like, what's going on? Like, w like yeah. why, if they're complaining about something, what's going on? I think showing interest and being curious into other people's lives is what a, just makes people feel seen and they makes them feel like, oh, wait, they actually care. And that oftentimes is what people don't feel. And then if they communicate what they're feeling and, or their helplessness, like you said, then, then you can potentially help them through it or at least provide them with encouragement and belief that they can work, they can find their way through it at some point. Yep. Spot on. What do you feel like is one of the biggest things that you're currently working on now when it comes to your craft and speaking and yeah, so what is one of the biggest things that you're working on right now to improve upon that? I'm focusing more on, I think, developing my stories that mm. I've experienced um, that because the best way to teach is through principle story application. So I'm going to tell you this principle about how to be a positive leader, you know, but I'm going to tell you a story so you can see how it's applicable. And then I'm going to tell you how you can apply it in your life. And so I have different stories that I tell, but I'm trying to find, you know, ones that really resonate with a, a large group of people. And there's something that, 
you know, this isn't necessarily about my craft. This is something that I'm struggling with myself is I hear a lot of negative voices, a lot of intrusive thoughts when I'm, you know, doing this work. I feel like from the enemy of like, you're not good enough or like, you're not your dad or people don't really care to listen to a 24 year old girl. And so as I'm traveling around the country and working with athletic departments and companies and teens, I need to realize that when I'm teaching these principles about filling yourself with optimism, positivity, and belief, and reframing your mindset of talking to yourself instead of listening listening to the negative voices, I need to apply that in, in my life. If I'm going to teach it, I need to apply it in my life. So that's something I'm working through right now is, is realizing that, you know, imposter syndrome of saying like, no, I deserve to be here because I've worked for it for the last year. I know this stuff like the back of my hand and I'm doing it because I want to impact people. It's not about me. It's about how many people can I spread this message to, to hopefully make a better world. So that's kind of what I'm working through my my personal kind of thing. Yeah, no, I love it. I think first off, the impo- imposter syndrome is just it's obviously both real, but it's also like okay. I I know that I really believe if you have imposter syndrome, it's healthy because it's just it's coming from a place of humility. It's coming from a place of I know that I'm not all that I could be yet, but it's it's kind of like letting it fuel you and drive you rather than cripple you that I really feel like is one of the most important things to, to take away from it. And, uh, but yeah, no, I I think that was, I think that was brilliant. And what do you feel like is maybe one of the biggest, I guess, stories that your dad shares that makes the biggest impact on you? I think just his stories of, kind of like the story of the energy bus where growing up, he was, you know, not a negative or he was always a negative person and he wasn't very positive. And seeing that, like, sometimes people are just naturally negative sometimes just because of the environment that they've grown up in. And again, it could be a habit or whatever they're going through and seeing that change is possible, that even if you don't have all, you know, the tools, you can find those tools or somebody can share them with you so that you can be a more positive person. And I think when we talk about, you know, my dad and everything that he's been through, we always say that we wouldn't be the family that we are today if it weren't for him and his desire to change and his ability to go out and learn to be a more positive person. And so that kind of just inspires me to say there's people out there that are probably, you know, in the same boat where they may not have grown up in like the best family or environment, but they still can change. It's just up to them. So in my head, I say, I have the tools and that's what I'm going to provide them with. And hopefully we'll make more positive people. So that that's his story that he usually tells that I'm like, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I think that one of the things that I've realized most of kind of doing what I've been doing for a number of years now is you learn from, the people that you're teaching to so much based off of what their what their problems are, what they're voicing to you and what they're experiencing. What do you feel like maybe in the last month or two have you learned most about what other people are experiencing and now you might be changing a little bit or crafting your message around some of the things that you've learned over maybe the last month or two? I think the main thing is about purpose. So when I share my story about the woman at Nobu, 
I talk a lot about how my dad will say, when you know your why, you'll know the way. And there's a lot of people that get up in the morning, especially, you know, after COVID and everything, all this, everything going on in our world where people are like, what is driving me to wake up in the morning? Like, what is my passion? What is my purpose? I'm going to work every single day. And it feels like it's a job. It doesn't feel like a passion. Right. And so I'm trying to find ways to craft it, to help people, I guess, find something that is bigger than themselves. Because I feel like I've seen a lot of people struggling and saying, you know, I'm in this position because I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, but it it doesn't really feel like a passion of mine. It doesn't feel like my purpose. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's something that more people need to maybe have help with or realize that there's something bigger than you. And if you're not living your purpose, what are you doing? You know, so it's trying to help them realize that that's something that they need to figure out. Even if you're 40 years old, 50 year old, 60, you may not have been living your purpose, right? It's not too late. So I think that's like one of the things I've been seeing a lot of people struggling with. What do you think are some of the good questions that we need to ask or ask ourselves or just think about when it comes to helping discover what our purpose is? So the people I did an event yesterday and people were saying the biggest question we asked ourselves is why, why, why do I do this? Why do I lead? Why am I a coach? Why am I working in this job? And so I think people need to ask themselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? Do I feel fulfilled? Do I feel like this is what God has called me to do? Or even if you're not a Christian, do I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be? So I think starting to ask yourself why. And then once you figure out why, it's like, okay, what am I passionate about? And for me, I go directly towards God, right? Where I'm like, God, what am I supposed to be doing? And so I think it's just one of those things that it's not always easy to find your purpose. It's not like you can pray about it and God says, oh, here you go. Or somebody can say, oh, I'm really good at this. This might be my passion, my purpose. I think it's a process. And so I don't have like specific answers to figure out what your purpose is, but I think it's just starting out with that question of why, why do I do what I do? And if you're not fulfilled, figuring out maybe what is fulfilling for you. Right. And I think you'd be hard pressed to ask yourself why too many times. Usually, usually it takes, I feel like a few steps of why and really taking some time to sit down and thoughtful thought and continue down that rabbit hole until you come up with something that is powerful and like you said bigger than yourself and and outside of yourself one of the things i'm also fascinated by to not to ask you too much on your dad but i i've i'm really fascinated in the duality of the relationship of he's your boss and he's your dad and because i kind of experienced that to a certain degree with clients I, I would almost say every single one of my clients is one of my friends. Every single one of my clients is I would look forward to going and having dinner with them or going and getting a drink with them. And I try to find the appropriate balance or appropriate way to dance around that relationship of I'm still their trainer, but I also want to be their friend. So how does that work? So I'm kind of interested in how the dynamic that you guys have and, and how you work with that, with him being both kind of your boss and your dad. Yeah. So before I actually started working for him, it was kind of 
one of those things where it's like, I wanted to speak, but also how would I do this with our dynamic? And so I think the reason why I didn't start speaking also is because I was not ready to listen to my dad as my boss, right? I was just still very like, oh, I don't want to hear what you have to say. You're my dad. You're annoying kind of thing. And so now that I realize that, again, it's my purpose and it's something that's bigger than me, I realized that he is always trying to push me to be my best, to reach my full potential, not only for myself, for his company, but for other people. And so once we we kind of sat down and had the talk of like, okay, if you're going to work for me, like you need to realize that there's some, some ground rules. Like this is like, if I tell you to do something for the betterment of the company, like you have to do it. And so I really had to realize like, okay, this is not about me and you. This is not about me. This is about our company and the impact that we're making. And so when he, you know, one of his friends said he wears different hats and says, you know, today I'm wearing my dad hat. I love you. And, you know, I'm your dad. And then sometimes I'm wearing my boss hat where I'm going to tell you either what you're doing wrong and what you need to do better, or I'm going to tell you what X, Y, and Z, right? And you have to listen because if you were working another job and your boss said, hey, you need to do this, and you said no, you're going to get fired probably, right? So he's like, we need to have this dynamic where it works. And so he'll either call me and say, you know, hey, this is John Gordon, your boss. Here's <laughs> what I need from you. And I have to say, okay, this is my boss, right? And like even last night, he calls me and he's like, hey, this is your boss. I'm like, hey, boss, what's up? He's like, well, uh, we need to do this and this and this. And he's like, if you don't do it, I'm going to have to give it to somebody else. And they're, you know, and I'm like, okay, okay, got it, boss. Like I'm done. I'll do it. I'll get it done. And so I think that has helped us so much because I know that when he's my dad, he's my dad. And when he's my boss, there's no funny business and I have to get it done. So that's been so helpful in like helping the dynamic instead of it being like, I'm your dad but I'm telling you what to do. It's like, okay, we've separated it. I have to view it differently. And then I, that determines, you know, how I act. So it's been very, very helpful. Yeah, no, I think that's critical. And I think it sounds maybe to some people, like it's a silly thing to do to have to clarify who you're speaking as in the moment. But I think it's so, so important. And I, I actually do the same thing when it comes to my siblings or even sometimes with my girlfriend. It's like, this is Nick. And then this is like, best you like I'm going to put on my best you hat real quick but no that's awesome I think that's super helpful and I think a lot of people experience a similar dynamic maybe it not be a parent to uh, child boss and child relationship but I think a lot of people have different relationships with different people and it's helpful to know that hey communicate what hat you're wearing at the particular time that you're speaking and I think that it can help clarify where you're coming from for the other person. One thing that you touched on earlier that I think is super fascinating is the difference between talking to yourself and listening to yourself. And I want you to just real quickly talk about how that's currently in play in your life and, and what you strategically do to make sure that you're talking yourself rather than listening to the noise of who wants to listen to the girl, 24 year old, yada, yada, yada. So it actually came from a guy named Dr. James Gills. And so he is the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. And so the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. And people ask him, how did you do it? 
He said, well, I learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. When I listen to myself, I hear all the negativity, the fear, the doubt, all the reasons why I can't do this. But if I talk to myself, I can fuel myself with words of encouragement and speak truth to myself to be able to cross that finish line. And so when I teach people this, I share that story with them because it's so applicable and it's so true that when we're going through our daily life and it's, you know, oh, I'm not good at this, or maybe there's somebody out there that's better than me. I have to then connect with God personally and say, hold on a second. You have shown me that this is my purpose. You have shown me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It would be disobeying you if I were to listen to the lies and listen to, you know, the things that aren't true to hold me back from doing your work. And so I really have to connect to my word for this year, which is honor. So I want to honor and serve God in all that I do. So when I have to connect to that word and say, if I'm listening to those lies, am I honoring God? Like, what would God say about me doing this right now? He'd probably be like, what are you doing? Like, I have created you in my image, right? And so I have to realize to honor God, I need to speak truth to myself. I need to say, no, you are impacting these people. Like you are here in this position for a reason. And I say this like it's super easy, but it's not. It is probably one of the hardest things I do on a daily basis. I mean, I really struggle with it. And so it's also a reminder for me that more people need to hear this, that it's also confirmation that if I'm struggling with this and I'm teaching people how to be positive, that there's people out there who don't even know any of this stuff that I can by telling them this change, hopefully what they think about themselves on a day-to-day basis. So it's really just realizing that when I have those intrusive thoughts coming in of imposter syndrome or whatever it may be, I have to speak truth to those, to those lies because that's what they are. They're lies. And I have to just Mm. recognize that. Mm, That's powerful. That's powerful. And I acknowledge you for opening up and, and sharing that with us. Uh, before I ask the last question, I know that there's a story that you tell Nobu Malibu. Is that what the restaurant is called? About, a particular someone who was coming to sit down there one day and he had a mask on and you weren't, there was no tables open. And so I just want you to you give you the floor and, and to share us, share us that story and, and the lesson. Yeah. So it was one of my first days working there. And like I said, it's one of the most famous restaurants in the world, celebrities, so many people, so many famous people come in and they book a month in advance because it's so popular. Right. And it's right on the ocean. It is beautiful. And so my first day on the job, they give me an iPad. We have our six o'clock dinner rush. It is crazy. It is so hectic. And this guy walks in, he's wearing a mask, sunglasses and a hoodie. And so I walk up to him and I say, hi, sir, what's the name on the reservation? And he just stands there, doesn't say a word, just looks at me. I say, okay, do you have a reservation? Still doesn't say a word, stands there, looks at me. I'm like, okay, if you don't have a reservation, I can add you to our wait list. It's about a four hour wait, unless we have cancellations or no shows. Still stands there. And I really can't tell if he's looking at me right because he's wearing the mask, the hoodie, the sunglasses. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do at this point. All of a sudden, my manager comes flying around the corner, walks up to him and says, sir, you can follow me right this way. She seats him at a a table. And I'm thinking, what just happened? Like, I don't even know what just happened. And so she comes back up to me and she says, Jane, that was Leonardo DiCaprio. 
first off, he couldn't have helped me out, right? He could have said like, oh, DiCaprio or like Leo, something. He just stood there, right? And so I tell people that story to kind of give them a glimpse of like what the environment is of like, there's famous people coming in. They expect you to know who they are. There's always a sense of entitlement or like my managers are yelling or it's just very, you know, hectic and chaotic and it was just crazy. And so people always laugh because it's like, he couldn't just helped you out. Really? He just stood there. But it yeah. was it was being in that environment that I really had to learn to one, have thick skin and two realize like, OK, this is I just have to serve people unconditionally. Like I have to learn what servant leadership is, even if I'm getting yelled at because he wasn't helping me out. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a, such a good story. Um, appreciate you sharing. Well, before I ask the last question, Jade, I just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you've continually done on, over on yourself, but especially over this past year. And I know that jumping into this, especially with your dad being who he is and people probably placing somewhat of an expectation on you because of that uh, and for you to continually work through it and find ways to talk to yourself rather than, li than listen to yourself and continue to be positive and, and fuel yourself with belief and, and the fact that you're doing this to honor and serve God. It's, it's just awesome. And I can't wait to just continue to see how much you grow both in like your confidence and your ability. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Well, I know people are going to want to go follow you and learn more about you now. Uh, so you guys make sure you go follow her at Jade Gordon 11 on Instagram. Uh, Jade, where else should people go and, and learn more about you? Uh, you can uh, or add me on Twitter, Jade at or Jade underscore Gordon 11. I post a lot of the workshops that I'm doing, speaking, keynotes, all of that kind of stuff. Um, hopefully I'll get my website running soon. So that's another place, but not yet. Awesome. And you guys need to make sure any of John Gordon's books, but The Power of Positive Leadership is a gem. So you need to go get that one or The Energy Bus or any of the other ones for sure. Uh, but Jay, last question is I think that in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, it's a constant journey. I don't think that we ever actually reach that best version. And I also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So this last question is for you personally. If there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to the best version of Jade Gordon that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? I think working on just my craft of speaking of, you know, my communication style is I love people and I love sharing this message. So doing it in a way where everybody is going to be, re be receptive to it and just always continuing to grow in that, right? My dad started when he was 35 and he's better now than he was, or he's better now than when he first started, right? So it's that continual growth of practicing your stories and the way that you convey the message and how you speak and the passion and the energy that you put behind your words. So I think that's one of the things. I think second um, is just continuing to focus on health. Like that's a huge passion of mine. It's not necessarily have anything to do with what I do for work. Um, but just, I love, you know, learning more about the human body. I'm reading a book right now, just about how, you know, our hormones and the way food affects it. And when you're working out and the way you burn calories, just learning that I think is just really cool. Um, that I think will help me get to the best version of myself. And then, um, my third thing, I think, um, just 
focusing on relationships, like building strong relationships and building community where you have like-minded people who lift each other up, help each other to grow, just push each other to be your best. I think that is something that I, you know, moving to Austin, Texas, like, you know, joining community, finding different people. I think that's something I'm definitely going to work on this year because being intentional, I think is so important of, you know, getting to know people and really helping them to also be the best version of themselves. Cause when you push other people, we also grow as well. Right. So I think Mm. those are the three things that I can really focus on. I love it, Jade. Those were awesome. Those were awesome. Well, you guys make sure you go follow Jade at Jade Gordon 11, uh, at, Instagram and on Twitter. And if you guys need somebody to speak at your company, go get Jade, get the John Gordon company because uh, she's killing it. And I'm excited to see uh, how much she continues to make a positive impact in the world. But Jade, that's all we got today. Appreciate you. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it. Man, what a fun episode with Jade. I hope you all enjoyed and were refreshed by having the opportunity to listen to her. I love how she's been thrown into the thick of it with her dad and his company, but she's finding a way to swim rather than sink. And remember, if you're overwhelmed with what you should eat and you want to feel more confident in your skin and you need a way to satisfy your sweet tooth in a healthy manner, then go get access to my video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle today at nickcarrier.com for free. And remember, if you work with a bunch of negative people or are constantly around a bunch of negative people, then all it takes to get started in flipping that around is one person. Ask them what's going on. Be curious. Make them feel seen. I encourage you today that if that is your experience, take a leap of faith and be a coffee bean and transform the environment around you. And I also love what she said about talking to herself rather than listening to herself because how many of us just have demons beating us up in our own head? Because when you listen to yourself, you can become a victim of the thoughts that arise, but when you talk to yourself, you take ownership over what takes place in your conversation in your head. So remember, if you can be a light anywhere you go, if you can spread positivity, if you can learn how to talk to yourself rather than listen to yourself, then you'll continue on the path closer and closer to your best.